We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Podcast. We were ready. Uh, we were prepared to discuss it on the fly, but thankfully, Sham Strania of the Athletic, uh, as he is wont to do, uh, tweeted out the All Star reserves about a half hour before they're going to be announced uh, on TNT as part of their telecast tonight. Um, let's go through them right away. You know, I, I think I, I was prepared to give some final predictions, and then if they were released, you know, midway through the episode, we would we would kind of compare and contrast those lists, but. I'm glad we have them right now. Um, we can react kind of live. I mean, they were tweeted out literally two minutes ago. Uh, so in the Western Conference, we have the starters, which, of course, were announced last week. Uh, those are Curry, Doncic, LeBron, Kawhi, Jokic. And in the East, we had Kyrie, Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. So the Western Conference reserves are Chris Paul, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Zion Williamson, and Anthony Davis, who at this point seems very unlikely to play in that game. So there'll probably be an injury replacement there. In the East, James Harden, Julius Randle, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Ben Simmons, and thankfully, mercifully, the Orlando Magic's Nikola Vucevic. <laughs> uh, that was merciful. Um, so no Bam out of bio. Um, Vooch got in over out of bio. Vooch got in over Adebayo. He got in over Jimmy Butler. Uh, and I, I think perhaps most egregiously, and, and I, this isn't like a one or the other situation. I don't know, you know, positionally what this came down to. Um, no Chris Middleton, which I, I think personally, you know, we'll, we'll go through some of the guys that maybe should have been on these rosters. To me, that is the single biggest snub um, in terms of my first reaction. 
I'm with you on that. I mean, he's he's going 50, 40, 90, averaging basically like 20 points, six rebounds, six assists for a team that's, I mean, the Bucks are 18 and 13. You know, people like, the narrative is that the Bucks aren't good anymore. They're, again, they're 18 and 13. They've missed Drew Holiday for like eight games. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough, I, I mean, that feels like a snub to me. I, I don't know if both Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown had to get in. I think people voted for both because they couldn't decide which one is better. Um, and I, th- I think that kind of hurt Middleton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think r- maybe Randall took his spot. Levine. People want Ben Simmons in because he's he's good at defense. And I understand that. Um, it does feel like Middleton should be in. Yeah, I mean, we should know these are selected by the coaches. So, you know, right. it's not it's not a fan vote situation. Um, and I, I, it's surprising. I don't know if this is a you know one of those things where it's, you know, the Bucks kind of had their due these last couple of years. And, you know, much like the Giannis MVP case, um, you know, there's there's maybe some sort of a pullback after what happened in the playoffs. I, I don't know if people, you know, all of a sudden view this as Middleton being a system player, which I, I think anyone who's watched the Bucks, you know, that that myth was debunked years ago. Um, it's surprising. I mean, I, I, you know, the Bucks, like you said, they're, they're not nearly as dominant as they have been in the regular season the last two years. And that, that's definitely been a component to Middleton being a shoe in these last couple of, you know, when you're the best team by seven games or whatever at the all-star break, you're, you're usually going to get two guys, much like we see Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert in the West. The Jazz were getting two no matter what, when you're, when you're leading the conference by three and a half games in this weird year, Milwaukee has fallen back. They're 18 and 13. Uh, but they're still only two games behind first place Philly. And a lot of the other teams that have been right there the last couple of years have fallen even further back. You know, Toronto's one game over 500. Boston is 500. Um, so for that team, you know, if it's if it's basically a three-way tie, which when you look at the numbers, to me, it is between Middleton, Brown, and Tatum. For the team with the worst record to get the two guys over uh, over the team with a better record, to me, that that doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and obviously the Bucks have one in Giannis, but um, I, I think, you know, Take your pick out of Tatum and Brown. One of those guys certainly deserves it. But to me, Middleton, I, you know, if, if you're ranking them one through three, Middleton's number one for me out of that three. Yeah, I wish we could get like I'm, maybe we will get like very, you know, see what people's reasoning was for this. But it does like it feels like the narrative is like, well, the Celtics need two all stars. Does a 500 team needs two all stars? Um, so I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think Middleton deserves to be in. I don't want to like I mean, all these guys are. Everyone on this list, I think, is a deserving all-star in terms of, like, these guys have played yes. well enough to definitely be all-stars. Um, and I think maybe it really is just, it comes down to Middleton is really taking the hit here for the Bucks not living up to people's expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't, obviously, like, Giannis won't take the hit for that. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's I think that's a good point. Um, and I, I think with Jalen Brown specifically, like he started off so well through those first, what, 15 games or so right before Boston had all those COVID issues. And it's kind of been a mess since then. But he was so good that it, it almost feel like it almost feels to me like he locked up a spot that early. And maybe some people was just kind of like a set it and forget it and, and didn't realize that, you know, he's cooled off a little bit. Boston's obviously cooled off a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's the coaches. Obviously, they're clued in. I, I, I think they probably take this more seriously um that the players certainly do and and they're more informed than most of the fans who are voting um so maybe there's something there that that we don't see but it's it's certainly surprising that's for sure um i mean any other any other snubs come to mind right away i, I think for me i you know when i was going through my predictions before we knew these would be announced when they were um i i, I basically had levine or trey young I, I didn't think both of them were going to get in i thought the coaches would pick one or the other and it turns out they sided with levine yeah, the I, I had heard a lot of talk between like, would you rather have Trey Young or Levine? And I think that became, you know, a legitimate discussion. I don't think people are going to vote both of those guys in. And I, th- I think it just came down to Chicago has the better record. And Levine has been absolutely like insane scoring the ball, um, especially like recently. He's been really good. Um, like he had I mean, he had a 45 point performance the other day, like over. Over the past, what is this, nine games, he's averaging 34 points a game on 54% shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some Jalen Brown numbers. Uh, and, like, I, I just think, I also think there probably is some resentment from the coaches on how Trey Young plays still. Like, you hear, yeah, especially, like, media members talk about him, like, baiting fouls all the time. 
and and like he he is really bad at defense. Um, and I think those two things kind of played a factor, I would assume, in him not getting in and Levine getting in, who I think coaches probably have, I want to say more respect for Levine, but um, he's doing this in like a offense that's not entirely like heliocentric for him. Yeah, I, I think... I think Young really gets hurt when he's not starting. You know, he started last year's game. He got in on the fan vote. And I, I don't know that he has, you know, even there was even a gap when you look at the player voting. Um, and, and again, that that's not necessarily the best gauge because a lot of players don't take it seriously. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a pretty big gulf between, you know, what Trey Young's reputation is, I think, among fans and among younger fans, especially versus what his peers think about him. And then maybe to another level, what the coaches think about him. And I, I think you're spot on. Um, you know, the fouls thing is, is definitely a part of this. And I also think if you're just comparing him straight up to Levine, I think the Hawks were the team that everyone thought, you know, could they be the fifth or sixth best team in the East if everything yep. breaks right? Like to me, they've been, a, they've been a bigger disappointment. You know, they're only, I think they're separated by like one game in the standings from Chicago, but like the Bulls being 14 and 16 feels like a really nice start for them through 30 games. The Hawks being 13 and 17 feels like kind of a disaster. Yeah, they are kind of uh, opposite ends of like the expectation versus, you know, reality spectrum. Like I, I was someone who thought the Hawks would like definitely they could be as high as like the four seed in the East. Like I, I thought that and like they have dealt with injuries like Bogdanovich going down. Uh, that's really hurt them. Like, Daniel Gallinari looks like washed up. Um, I mean, he dealt with some injuries earlier in the year, but there was a clip going around of him like uh, with some absolutely insane, like he tried to throw the ball off the backboard to himself. It was one of the worst clips of, a, of an NBA player trying to do offense I've ever seen. <laughs> I have not seen this. I wish there was a way we could oh. air this during podcast. Okay. If you go on my Twitter, I retweeted it. So you can at least okay. see what I'm talking about. But I also watched him get absolutely torched on defense. And like, I think it was the Boston game. Anyway, like Hello, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> him and LaMarcus Aldridge are just guys who like can't bend their knees anymore. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I think, I think you're right about, you know, Chicago has, has exceeded expectations, especially since they, they started off the year really slow and then they've kind of rounded into form and have now been a winning team lately. Okay. I'm about to watch the Gallinari thing. One, I, I like your header here. The uh, Duncan Robinson sex story uh, or sex symbol story. Okay, here we go. Oh God. Oh my. I think he, he was almost going to do it twice. Who was guarding him? Is that Hardenstein? Uh, I don't remember. Wow. This is, you described that very well. I, I, this is exactly, honestly, exactly what I pictured. And it went somehow <laughs> worse. Did he draw a foul on this? He did draw a foul. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, get, see, that's the thing. He stayed on brand because um, he is an elite foul drawer for his position. Um, and, uh, yeah, he ended up, ended up drawing a foul here. It's, it's, the clip is really unbelievable. That's one of the wildest plays I've seen this year. Um, so you know, Sham Strania tweeted out a list of his, uh, I don't know if these are his snubs or if, you know, these are just who he thinks people think are snubs. Middleton, not on that list, bizarrely. I don't, maybe he's just so much of a snub that he can't even be listed there. Um, but he has Trey Young, you know, obviously Devin Booker. I, I do think if they're, I, I never know how this works. Like Anthony Davis, obviously not going to play in this game. We don't think, you know, his roster spot will be filled. I don't know if they have to select another power forward center type. If they don't, I, that spot to me goes to Devin Booker. I had both him and Chris Paul on my list. I mean, Phoenix is 10 games above 500. They're one game behind the Lakers. I, I think they've been definitely a good enough team to get two guys. And I, you know, relative to the East, I kind of struggled. The, like the depth of talent in the West right now isn't all that great. You know, like at the top, it's it's incredible. Like I'll I'll go into this in a second, but I, I think the these 10 starters are probably the best group of starters we've had uh, in like seven years, I think since 2014. Um, but the depth kind of runs out pretty quickly. You know, like Damian Lillard, Paul George, Gobert, Mitchell, Chris Paul, those guys definitely in my mind deserve to be there. But in a lot of years, Chris Paul, I think would be borderline based on his numbers. You know, Zion until his recent charge. Um, I, I don't know if he was going to make this team like even two weeks ago. He's just been so good lately. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think it, he kind of timed that perfectly. So, you know, well-deserved for sure. Um, but it wouldn't have been crazy to leave him off. It's kind of hard to come up with a list of guys to replace Anthony Davis. You know, like, like I said, I, for me, it's Booker. You know, DeRozan is another name, but but obviously the Spurs have had like five games postponed. He's going to miss tomorrow's game. Um, you know, John Morant missed a lot of time. Mike Conley has been 
very good. Definitely not great. He's also missed some time with an injury. You know, Brandon Ingram kind of taking a step back. And then you start getting into, you know, De'Aaron Fox, who's you know on a bad team. CJ McCollum missed too much time. Um, you just kind of run out of names pretty quickly in the West. You do. Um, yeah, I think I think Phoenix, based on their record, I think it would make sense for them to for Paul and, and Booker to both get in. Like, I think DeMar DeRozan has a really strong case. Um, but again, I mean, the the Spurs are for some reason, I cannot find them on the standings. They're 16 and 11. Which is pretty good, actually. I mean, based on the yeah. roster they have, is actually imp- sure. impressive. Good enough um, to get one All Star. I, I, I mean, if it's if it's DeRozan over Booker, I'm totally fine with that. I am too. And maybe they're getting a little hit by the fact that they got. I mean, they got hit huge with COVID recently, and they haven't played in a while. So I think, I mean, I, I don't know if that's always a portion of it, but again, he's 20 points a game, seven assists, only one and a half turnovers, 49% shooting. Those are as good of numbers as. I mean, really, I mean, efficiency wise, turnover to assist ratio, um, those are all star numbers. It's just that, you know, I, I think, I mean, Booker's a bigger name at this point. I think people are like kind of like done with DeRozan. <laughs> I just, I think yeah. people are just over him. Well, I mean, he started a couple of all star games in the latter part of the last decade. And I mean, it's, I, I almost feel like he's, he's getting like the current Middleton treatment, I guess, you know, like when, you know, when he, when the, the Raptors traded him and immediately won the title it was almost like vindication for those who all along have been saying like, this guy's not good enough to be your one a or one B guy on a title team. And I don't know. I mean, if you watch the NBA, I don't, I don't think anyone ever necessarily thought that. Um, But yeah, it it did kind of feel like he was, you know, not only traded to San Antonio, but like exiled to San Antonio almost as like a punishment. Um, And I I think a lot of people did kind of write him off. Um, But, but no, he's, he's been certainly deserving. Uh, Other guys I had on my, on my list of possibilities in the East, um, Tobias Harris, you know, I, I think in a lot of years, you know, would, would, would be in contention, but, you know, just a little bit too deep of a field in the East, uh, Jeremy Grant, who a month or so ago, I think was kind of right there with Julius Randall. Um, but, but he's cooled off a little bit. You mentioned Adebayo, uh, Jimmy Butler, who's been awesome lately, but missed a lot of time early on. Um, Fred Van Vliet has been great lately, third ranked fantasy player in the last month. Uh, and then both of the Pacers guys, Sabonis and Brogdon, uh, get left out too. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised about Sabonis and Brogdon, although they've been the Pacers have kind of hit a wall recently. They're down to 15 and 14 after a you know a pretty hot start at least through the first like half of the season. Um, yeah, I I mean I think Tobias Harris. I mean he's also someone who if you're talking about like he has comparable numbers to Chris Middleton just efficiency wise, peripheral stats. Obviously like Philly is 20 and 11, so he's a guy who could have certainly gotten in mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's just that like. You know, he's not putting up the sort of like gaudy numbers, obviously, like Hargan's a lock. I mean, I think if you would have put Tobias Harris over, you know, I mean, you could have put him over maybe Zach Levine, maybe Jalen Brown. But I just think people, yeah. they, they, it's just people don't want to do that. And I think, you know, I, I haven't watched like a ton of Philly games, but I I know that he gets a lot of work against the second unit. So maybe he's getting downgraded for like, you know, just dominating mm-hmm. bench units, essentially. Yeah, that's very possible. I, I think it would have been extra egregious to put Tobias Harrison and not Chris Middleton, you know, especially after getting Ben Simmons, because I think for a lot of people, I mean, this will be Simmons' third straight all-star game, but I, I think he, he was still kind of borderline for some people just because of the offensive shortcomings. I, I think in some ways he almost gets punished for not adding the three-point shot. You know, like some people now hold that against him. Like, come on, dude, like you're not even trying to add it. Um, and his numbers have somewhat plateaued. I mean, that, that's kind of what happens when you come in and are really good right away. Um, he's basically put up, you know, kind of the same type of counting stat averages, you know, his first four years in the league. But when you're talking about the coaches picking these teams, I think Simmons is a, is a guy who gets a ton of respect for what he does defensively. He does. I mean, I think if you if you end the season today, he might just pick up defensive player of the year um, because mm. he has been that good. Yeah. And I think people, there's just not enough buzz around anybody else's name. Um, as far as like a, you know, like Gobert's always in it because he's a big man. Right. And he's, you know, he's one of the blocks leaders. Like Miles Turner is, is going to be in contention because of his blocks per game. Um, but I think multi-position defender, I think if you're going to go that route, like best all around defender, I think Ben Simmons is your number one. Mm. Any issues with Julius Randle making this team? 
Uh, do, does it, do those numbers feel empty to you? You know, like they have with with some Knicks players in years past. They would if the Knicks were like, you know, six games under 500 or something. Yeah. But they aren't. They're one game under 500, and you know, he's 23, 11, and six on good efficiency. I don't feel like they're empty numbers. I don't think he's a great defender. He's never been a great defender, but or there are a lot of guys on this list that aren't great defenders, you know? Um, so I think, I think it makes sense for him to get in. Um, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I can understand why people voted him in over like Middleton or anybody else that you feel might be a snub. So I mentioned um, just the strength of this, the starting field specifically with, you know, Kyrie, Beal, KD, Giannis, Embiid, Curry, Luca, uh, LeBron, Kawhi, and Jokic. And I mean, that that's with Anthony Davis, you know, even if he was healthy, all you know, played every game, I, I still don't think he supplants Jokic or supplants LeBron or Kawhi on this team. So, I mean, there's there's 10 guys locked in there who have been extremely good. And then, you know, Damian Lillard, who basically tied for the starting spot with Luka Doncic, um, you know, and, and ended up losing that one due to the fan vote. But, you know, those are you know, that's another player that's having a career year. I, I think this is the strongest starting field that we've had in recent memory. So, you know, over the last couple of years, I think Kemba Walker started the last two All-Star games. Uh, Pascal Siakam was a starter last year. Trey Young was a starter last year. So 2020, not a great All-Star game field. Um, like there's always, every single year, there's like at least one guy who in retrospect, you're like, I don't know if that's going to age super well. Um, you know, like I said, Siakam last year is one of those guys. Trey Young's one of those guys. Lowry, DeRozan, uh, Marcus All started one in the mid 2010s Kobe got a start his last year egregious uh Pau Gasol even started one for the east during that time like I I don't know that in even five or 10 or 15 years um I don't think we're going to look back on this one and say any of these guys seem off no this is a list of I think I mean is it all future hall of famers that are starting so who's the worst player of that 10 is it Beal by default is it Kyrie I think think it's it's Beal. Beal I, I think that's that's a guy averaging like 31 points a game. Yeah, I mean, Beal, if he continues along this path, you know, not he doesn't have to average. I mean, either he'll stay on a path where he's on a bad team. He's averaging 30 points a game or he gets to a good team where he's going to average like 25 and they'll be perennial playoff. You know, like they'll be yeah. in, they'll be in the mix every year. Um, I still think he probably gets into the Hall of Fame if he's, you know, stays healthy at this point. Um I still think Kyrie's better than him. I think Kyrie's practically a lock, even though he mm-hmm. his missed games are somewhat of a concern, but he has the title with LeBron. And I mean, he could easily get a, a second title this season, right? Um, or a third title for how many does he have? He has one, right? Who? Kyrie. Yeah, There's he just one. has the one. Including. Yeah, he has the one. Um, so, yeah, I think this is, I think everyone in this group is probably a Hall of Famer, which is Right. Again, like you mentioned, not always the case for, for the all-star starters. No, like I'm looking at 2015 now, and, and I wish there was a better way to just like scroll through these year by year. You have to like go to each specific year's page and look at the box score. That's the best way I could find. Um, but like 2015, like you have Marcus All starting at center. LaMarcus Aldridge is starting that game. Um, you know, John Wall started for the East. Not, not that that was egregious at the time, but uh, obviously I wouldn't say he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory right now. Um, you had, you had Bulls, Pau Gasol starting that game. Powell's going to make the hall of fame. Uh, he was not a hall of fame caliber player in 2015 as a member of the Bulls. Lowry started that game. I, I mean, another player who probably makes the hall of fame. So maybe not the greatest example, but I, maybe I'm misremembering, correct me if I'm wrong, but like when Lowry and DeRozan were starting all-star games in 2015, 16, 17, I guess I, and maybe it's recency bias, but I, I feel like Beal is on a higher level than those guys were at that time. Uh, yeah. I mean, just the, the amount of scoring is, is crazy, um, that, he, that he's doing, but you're right. I think, I think he is better than those guys at the point in time that we are in now compared to when those guys were playing, if that makes sense. I'm kind of butchering that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think when it comes down to like all-star starters and all-star reserves, I think probably the safest thing for the voters to do is just be like, I'm let's just vote in the guy who is the most likely hall, like the most likely hall of famers. Like if we have to break a tie. Um, and I mean, that's kind of borne out here. I think in the, yeah. like, the reserve section, I don't know, but I mean, th- I mean, again, the reserve section is also good. Like the amount of talent in the NBA right now is pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. just between, you know, like we have the kind of the older guys still doing it like LeBron, you have Chris Paul in there, 
And then you have even the, like young guys, you know, Zion's in here. Um, you know, Tatum's already in. Ben Simmons already in. So, um, I mean, All-Stars, I think, are going to be really tough over the next, like, five years. I think it's going to be kind of a bloodbath. Yeah, it really is. So, so 2014 is the year that I mentioned that I think really aged pretty well based on where those guys were at their careers, how their careers progressed. Um, so the East starters in 2014, this is the 13-14 season, of course. So that was Spurs over Heat uh, in the finals. The East starters were Kyrie, LeBron, Paul George, Carmelo, and Dwayne Wade. And the West starters were Durant, Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, Stephen Curry, James Harden. Are, are there any in there that feel out of place? Maybe Kevin Love, but you have to remember, like, that was his, like, absolute peak Minnesota time. Kevin Love, now in hindsight, feels off. But I also think that at the time, it seemed like Kevin Love would be, like, a 26-13 and, like, three player for his career. Um, like Or for, like, the next, you know, like, yeah. five or ten years, essentially. Um yeah, I mean, he was he was on the Olympic team, played a key role for them. Like that was he was he fell off pretty quickly once once he got to Cleveland. But I mean, Minnesota Kevin Love was, I feel like, pretty comparable to Wizards Bradley Beal in some ways in terms of like stature in the league. Yeah, just someone who you're like, we gotta get this guy on a winning team. Yeah, that was yeah. his last year in Minnesota where he averaged 26 points, 13 rebounds, four and a half assists. Um, he was doing it all efficiently as well. He's taking eight free throws a game. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was awesome that year. So I think I think that makes sense. And the only reason that we we talk about him like we do now is because he got regulate uh, relegated to like a third option spot up yeah. shooter role, and now his injuries have kicked in. But um, mm-hmm. I think people will at least have to like think about him for the Hall of Fame. I'm just yeah. not sure he actually gets in. One last thing on this: 2013 might even be stronger. I, I, 2014 was solid. 2013 was in the West: Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant. Blake Griffin, Dwight Howard, that's Lakers Dwight Howard. And in the East, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, and Kevin Garnett. I think Garnett was a little past his prime at that point. He played six and a half minutes in this game. That's, I think that's a pretty good invocation. Um, but still, I mean, I, I think even if you're getting pa- little, a little bit past his prime, Kevin Garnett, that's a really, really solid 10. That was a solid 10. And again, this Griffin, very similar to Kevin Love. When Griffin was in his prime, he was must-see TV. He was all NBA caliber for a really dominant team. Or not dominant, but like very, very good team. Um, And then, like, yeah, you mentioned Garnett passes prime, obviously, but someone who just is getting in because of the, again, like his stature as a player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was, I was looking through all-star records today, just like cumulative and per game records. LeBron basically owns everything, uh, as you'd expect. Uh, one, one interesting note, Elgin Baylor appeared in 11 all-star games and averaged nine free throws per game in 11 all-star games. Man was the James Harden of the all-star game. So like, at what point did they stop calling fouls? Because like, that's like, wouldn't that, wouldn't that rank like third in the league right now in free throws per game in like a normal game? Yeah, I'm looking at his career stats right now, and he only averaged more than nine free throw attempts per game in the regular season five times. So he was a more <laughs> prolific foul drawer in the All-Star game than he was in <laughs> in normal games. That's an unbelievable stat. I, I think I'll have to, to draft up a tweet about that later. Like, how? How does, like, were they calling the All-Star game tighter than a normal game? I don't know. I mean, you... Elgin Baylor, I mean, he made his first All-Star game in 59 and made his last All-Star game in 70. And I can't even begin to imagine what the NBA All-Star game was like in 1959. So who knows, really? All right, let's uh, let's jump around and just hit a few things quickly before we head out. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, early this morning, uh, a, a nice little news dump by the Houston Rockets. They, they waved Cousins. The, the writing was on the wall here. I mean, at first, it looked like they might just keep him around basically until Christian Wood returned and then maybe trade him or immediately wave him. But Cousins is now hurt. He missed last night's game with a heel injury. Um, doesn't look to be anything serious, although the fact that they're releasing him, you know, maybe maybe it's something that is going to cost him some time and they just didn't want him taking up a roster spot. Um, but this has been pretty disastrous. I, you know, I, I was telling you off air, I, I was looking at his fantasy ADP preseason. It was 119.3, which you know, obviously that's not a huge level of investment. That's one of your last picks, but that's still higher than I would have thought given the injury situation. I mean, that's a higher ADP than Larry Nance, Terry Rozier, Chris Boucher. Um, 
So, I mean, if, if you took a chance on Cousins, you obviously, you know, it's not like wasting a, a second or a third round pick, but you still kind of got burned on this. And, and like I wrote in my column on the site today, I think the biggest thing is like, it's not like he just got to Houston and was playing backup minutes and it just wasn't a good fit and it never worked out. It was like the golden opportunity of all opportunities was presented to him with Christian Wood going down, like get, literally getting wheelchaired off the court. I mean, he had a chance to, to be a legitimate, like 30 minute a game starter, um, you know, for maybe a month plus, And it just immediately went sour. They've lost seven in a row. Um, there was a super cut of like all of his terrible defensive plays in an article on the athletic uh, about why it hasn't worked out. And it, I don't know, it, it just seems like it was a fantasy wise, especially it was like a, a pretty big opportunity for a guy who's maybe not that good of a real life player anymore to be really valuable. And it just went completely the other way. Yeah. I think more, I think part of it is he gets drafted on name value and obviously we know the upside is pretty big because we saw him have some like really good games when he was like those, some of those golden state games that he had were very good. Um, and he was playing playoff minutes for them. And I think that kind of sticks in people's minds, but I mean, when you think about cousins who was never really in shape ever, uh, coming off of it was ACL and Achilles injuries, right? So you end up having both. Yes, um, I believe he tore his Achilles and then tore his ACL while rehabbing from the Achilles, right? He, he tore his ACL just before last year when he was going to be a Laker. Yeah. Yeah. And so a guy who has those kinds of knee injuries and he's never been in shape, like what were the odds that he gets in shape and can like play at like it's it, it was just not a good situation for him. Um, and I think it's going to be it's just really tough for him at this point, I think, to be out there physically um, for as much as. I think I think it just comes down to that. Like I don't think they weren't not I don't think he was playing like twenty two minutes a game in those starts because he was like not I mean, he wasn't great either, but I think he's just winded and he can't do it anymore. I mean, half half of fifty one percent of his shots come from three at this point. Demarcus Cousins. So I don't know, man. Like it's I, he'll he'll land on a contender, I assume, and he mm-hmm. will play as maybe ten minutes a game or he'll be you know, the depth option, like if he lands on the Lakers and those games like Anthony Davis gets hurt, I'm sure Cousins will be out there and maybe he's a playoff. You throw him in the playoffs once in a while to shake things up, but I don't expect a lot out of him going forward. The Lakers could use anyone at this point. That's true. That's, I mean, I watched that game, that entire game last night against the Wizards and my God, I mean, LeBron (laughs) was not great, but I mean, these, the role players, like I I was going on and on earlier this year about how deep this team is and how, how much better they are than last year. All of a sudden, you just take you take away Anthony Davis, and this team looks worse than last season. Like Wesley Matthews, my lord! I mean, he was bad for Milwaukee last year. He's been even worse. Um, Alex Caruso misses every wide open three. I mean, Kyle Kuzma has been by far their—I wouldn't say second best player, but he's been their second option. Without Anthony Davis, that is not a recipe for success whatsoever. Um, they they don't want to play Montrezl Harrell more than like 20 minutes a game for some reason. Uh, I, I don't think that Demarcus Cousins is a solution necessarily, but anyone who's just going to go out there and, and can score, maybe he's going to give up a ton of points. Like the Lakers defense has still been really good without Davis. So maybe you can, you have some wiggle room there, but they they need anyone right now who can just give them anything on offense. That's, you know, better than what Wes Matthews is doing, which is a whole lot of nothing. Well, I mean, they're also missing Schroeder. I think that's worth Very mentioning true. too. Like Schroeder, they're missing their second and their third best player. And LeBron has been like, Le- I just don't think LeBron at this point can be, the, the number one option on a team that looks like it does without Davis and Schroeder. It just doesn't, I don't think that's possible. Um, I think he, teams yeah. can key in on him too much. You don't, you, I mean, if Kyle Kuzma beats you, that's first of all, it's not going to happen. Um, I, you just let that happen. But yeah, like yeah. I'm looking up right now, their most frequent lineup without Schroeder or Davis is minus 18. I guess Wes Matthews, LeBron mm-hmm. James, Kuzma, Markeith Morris, Montrez Harrell. Well, they blew a 17-point lead last night, so maybe that was the lineup that was out there the whole time. I don't know. Well, I mean, it deserves that number then if you blow yeah. a lead like that to the to the Wizards. Yeah, God, it was it was bad. I mean, LeBron had eight turnovers in that game. He was two of ten from three. I I want to say off the top of my head, I think he's six of 37 from three since Davis went out. Um, so he's just basically trying to like play a lot of hero ball, and then oftentimes throughout his career that's worked out. Uh, lately, it has definitively not worked out. There were a couple. Couple shots late last night that did not even contact the rim. Um, it was 
you know, not a, not a, a pretty sight for the backboard. So um, are you, but, are you officially worried about his MVP case at this point? Cause we talked about this last pod. I think it was last pod about how this could affect his MVP case. Do you think it's yeah. now becoming in trouble? It's it's in a little more trouble than it was. That's a good question. I, I have thought about this. I think, you know, it, it, like they, they get a pass for losing to Brooklyn, right? It's like, you know, the Nets just oh, yeah. blew them off the floor, even without KD. Um, you know, it was clear from the get-go that the Lakers just didn't have it. And and I kind of expected that. But, you know, they they that game against Miami over the weekend, they only lose by two, but they trailed by double digits for a t- for basically the entire game. Um, you know, you lose to Washington, which I, I guess has won five straight, and maybe that doesn't look as bad as it did a few weeks ago, but still not great. You get blown out by another MVP contender in Jokic last weekend uh, against Denver. So I don't know. I mean, it's it, like the Washington game specifically is one that you're like, look, you don't have Anthony Davis. You don't have Schroeder. There, are, there aren't like a ton of games that you'd still feel good about winning. That was one of them. And to be up 17 points and squander that lead like they did and have LeBron commit a season high in turnovers, um, that doesn't help the MVP case, certainly. And, you know, if they, if they go into the all-star break and lose like, four more of their next five and they're, you know, they're three and seven over their last 10. I, I don't know. I, I think that the momentum would maybe shift back to Embiid or Jokic. The number one thing LeBron has going for him right now, though, is there's not an obvious number two guy, right? Where it's like, okay, if we're not giving it to LeBron, then I think, you know, 30% of the people might say it's Embiid, 30% might say Jokic, and then you might have 10% Curry, 10% Giannis, 10% Harden, whatever, um, I, I think the fact that it's not like him versus Giannis, like it was these last couple of years where, you know, there was just such an obvious guy statistically who was right there, if not better than LeBron in these categories. Um, I, it, it just still feels like it's his to lose. You know, like his MVP odds haven't really changed despite them losing four out of five and, and LeBron really not playing that well during that stretch. Embiid is the only guy who I consistently hear on everyone's top three. Um, so I think he is the number two, essentially, you know, averaging 30 points, 11 rebounds, you know, like I, I it's not even worth going through the stats. He's been incredible. Like I, I've heard some people, I think it was Chris Haynes, maybe who had Lillard third over Jokic. And I've heard other people just like not mention Jokic, which to me is insane. Yeah. Um. So I think it would be Embiid. I think if the season ended today, actually, I don't know if the season ended today because people are still so like caught up with LeBron. I think it will take a few more games, but they, the, I think the I think the Lakers are like one more bad loss away and LeBron's like one more bad game away from people like pulling back from the narrative yeah. a little bit. Right. It depends how you view it, because if you look at LeBron's counting stats, he's done like the best stretch of the season. You know, I mean, he's basically been one assist or one rebound away from a triple double like every single night. So, you know, if you're just looking at the numbers, you could say, well, yeah, they've, you know, they've lost four out of five, but LeBron's averaging 27, 10 rebounds, nine assists and shooting 51% during that span. It's not his fault, but he's also shooting 62% at the free throw line and turning it over like five times a game. So, right. you know, it, de- it just depends what you want to look at. If you choose to acknowledge those stats, the, the case for LeBron doesn't look so great. If you, if you just look at points, rebounds, assists, field goal percentage, then he's doing fine. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you, though. I, I do think right now it is still LeBron because even though the Lakers feel like they're free falling, they still have a better win percentage than Philadelphia. They're 22 and 10. The Sixers are 20 and 11. That was the one thing that, you know, most people who are who are educated uh, NBA fans, you know, you could look at the advanced numbers, especially. And it was like Giannis in a landslide last year. I don't think LeBron got robbed. But, you know, the one thing that maybe, you know, non-analytic people could point to is like, well, the Bucks are the vastly better team. And and that was like the, the number one mark, I think, in Giannis's favor the last couple of years. I, I think Curry got that as well in 2015 and 2016 when the Warriors are winning, you know, 67, 73 games. Like you, you kind of have to give it to a guy on that team. Um, and the fact that there's not another, you know, like the Sixers might finish with a better record than the Lakers, but it's probably only going to be by one or two games. Like there's not a, there's not a player on a team that's eight games better than everybody else that would have that advantage. Right. I think the one thing that's kind of interesting to me, I'm looking at the strength of schedule right now for all these teams. The Lakers have had the easiest schedule in the NBA. Philadelphia is the sixth easiest schedule in the NBA so far. So I think maybe, you know, kind of in the middle of the year, post all-star break, there is a chance, you know, both these teams are running it. Like if the Lakers, if their schedule really turns up across the next month when Anthony Davis is out, 
that's going to be a problem because so far their schedule has been a cakewalk. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, it'll, I, I still think MVP's up in the air. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it's firmly up in the air. I, I don't think it's decided whatsoever. Um, we should touch real quickly on a couple bad teams and we'll get out of here. Uh, late last night, the Wolves fired Ryan Saunders. They immediately went and hired an assistant, Chris Finch from the Toronto Raptors. I'm not going to lie and say I had ever heard of Chris Finch or know anything about Chris Finch. Um, but th- I mean, the reaction was, I would say pretty, pretty negative. Um, and, and generally when a coach is fired, you know, you, you see a lot of sympathy for that coach, but this time it was more directed at the fact that the wolves, you know, seemed to pass over, uh, a, a well-respected assistant, African-American assistant in David Vanderpool and, you know, Damian Lillard had some very strong words about this. Carl Towns today, uh, didn't address the Vanderpool situation, but said that he found out just like everybody else, you know, via, via Twitter or via somebody texting him that, that his coach was fired. Um, so the wolves don't really come out of this looking great. Well, I mean, you know, I think I think when you're seven and 24, you just kind of do whatever you want organizationally and you don't really care like what (laughs) what the media has to say about it because you're so bad. I I think it was probably the wrong thing to do, you know, to not let Ryan Saunders go first. And then I mean, I think they should have I mean, it is really strange to like be hiring an outside candidate when you have someone qualified on your bench. Um, at least like for an interim, you know what I mean? Like how many, how many teams fire coaches and then, you know, uh, don't use one of the top assistants as an interim. I, yeah, I mean, and it's almost like they had this set up beforehand, you know, like you would think weeks in advance to get to this process, to hire someone like an, an active, like he was an active coach for the Raptors (laughs) like two days ago. Right. Like I'm not misunderstanding this, right? Like secret interviews, you know, this is like, yeah. I just imagine if this happened in the NFL, like. That would be crazy. The the Packers fire their offensive coordinator and then go hire the Cowboys special teams coordinator midseason. Like that would just be that would never happen. Right. That's just a crazy thing. Inconceivable to happen in the NFL. I think so. I I think also, you know, there is a there. I I guess they're probably just thinking like, hey, three years from now, who's going to even remember this happened? Um, Uh, Nobody. Right. That's so I think I think, you know, they take the hit now and they just move on Um, because. I don't know, man, that, that roster was not, is not great. I don't know. On one hand, I don't know what Ryan Saunders was supposed to do with that roster over the past couple of years. I have no idea. Um, on the other hand, I, ne- I've never heard anybody say that Ryan Saunders was a good coach or even qualified for his job. Um, so <laughs> I, this seemed like a pretty odd, like it, I think people were confused that this didn't happen earlier, but the whole process is getting kind of, jumbled up mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i i think the the plug is pretty much pulled on this season for minnesota yeah at this point i mean they i, I guess you know technically they're only eight games back of the of the 10 spot i there's just been very little evidence that this team has anything in it you know to make a run for that i, I do want to hit on the Cavs real quickly as well and this is just going to be like a like a cavaliers shame session i guess two weeks into the season there were people who thought that the Cavs could maybe make the playoffs I, I want to commend you and I for never going down that we, you know, we kind of were like, let's just, you know, it's the Cavs. Let's just kind of go with what history's taught us here and assume that they're going to be terrible. Here we are now. They have been, I, I wish there was a way to find this out, but possibly the they've had like one of the worst months ever. I, I feel very comfortable saying that maybe the worst month ever. They're currently on a 10 game losing streak. They, as you have noted here, a minus 19.6 net rating in the month of February in non-garbage time. That number gets even worse. I think it's over 21. It's like 21.3 um, overall. They have a 106 offensive rating. They have by far the worst defensive rating, 126 in the league during that span. Um, a, a lot of the guys who played well for them early on have kind of reverted back to closer to who we thought they were. Darius Garland, uh, you know, Colin Sexton hasn't been quite so bad, but, but has certainly cooled off. They've had some injuries, but at the same time, they were playing pretty well early on with Kevin Love out. So I, I don't think you can say his absence has really had a major effect here. And I also don't think Torian Prince missing the last three games has been like the, the secret sauce. But man, this team is like, I, they're, they're just getting walloped on a night to night basis. I, I think nine of their last 10 losses during that streak have been by at least 16 points. 
they were winning games because of their defense early in the season, weren't they? And now they're losing them because of Correct. their defense, hey, essentially. Coincidentally, oh, Andre Drummond isn't playing anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they've they there is a 10% difference between their effective field goal percentage and their opponents, which is an insane gap. Um, I actually think Garland and Sexton have been fine for the most part. Like they're, I don't think they're the problem. Although Darius Garland's uh, plus minus this month on a per game basis is minus 17, which is unbelievable. And they have four players over this month averaging more shot attempts than points. Uh, Osman, Prince, Okoro, and Dotson. Uh, pretty understandable from like Okoro and Dotson, but really no reason for Prince or Osman to be in that category. And um, at this point, man, like it's, I mean, I can't, again, like I can't entirely say they're out because the East is so like compact, but I don't know, you know, I don't know who, who is walking through that door for them, right? Like who is uh, Kevin Love maybe, but well, I, don't I think mean, that's technically really... it is Kevin Love. I don't think that's going to change anything. Right. <laughs> and if anything, I think they just, I mean, I, I, Kevin Love's another guy who I just, I, I hope he gets dealt like him and Beal both. Mm-hmm. Which team would you rather be in control of for the next two or three years, Cleveland or Detroit? Like which, which team has like the better base right now? I think um, it kind of depends, man, because uh, Cleveland, like Cleveland has like young pieces already, like Sexton, Garland and Jared Allen, a Coro too, depending on how you feel about him. That's like a that's a very like if you're a rebuilding team and those are the four guys you end up with, you know, in like your third year of being bad, you're like, that's pretty good. Right. Like you're, you're doing fine as a rebuild. Detroit would be interesting because they are the closest thing to a. Uh, blank slate in the NBA just in terms of like, I, I guess OKC actually is probably closer. Um, but just from like a, you could do anything with this roster. Like you still have Jeremy Grant and Plumlee, but those guys are, I think it's tradable on their contracts, especially Jeremy Grant. And um, so if you want to do like a true deep process, then it's Detroit. If you want a kind of a head start already, the Cavs are, the Cavs are there. Yeah. I, th- I think Detroit maybe has the best singular player out of those teams in Grant, but right. he also turns 27 yeah, in a month or less than a month. He's not like part of the rebuild, really. Not really. I mean, he he, he is and he isn't. It's like if, if you're if something happens and I don't know, you land Kate Cunningham and then you get I don't know Imani Bates in a couple of years and all of a sudden you're you're ready to go and he's 30. I maybe he is, but yeah, I, I mean the way that it's looking right now, barring like a, a massive change in fortune where you get a guy or two who just can like instantly shoot you into contention which you know is barely pretty unlikely uh, yeah I, I i don't think you can necessarily consider him you can say he's part of part of your core he's not part of your young core you know he's just kind of there he's he's one year younger than bradley beal um with the Cavs, i the one thing that neither of these teams have is like a true young star right you know like even grant at his age i don't think he's a star you know, you don't have a, a a young Ben Simmons type or even even a Brandon Ingram, you know, a player with that kind of upside who's in his low 20s. But at least what the Cavs have is like if you nail this next draft pick, like let's say you pick number one or number two overall, you get Cade Cunningham, you get Jonathan Kaminga or Jalen Green or Evan Mobley or whoever it is. If that guy turns out to be an instant impact, you know, Carl Anthony Towns level rookie, you know, you you at least have like a decent core around him that you could convince yourself, you know, two, three years down the road, you could really have something if even two, you know, two or three out of your five best young players turn into something. I'm with you on that. Yeah. If they get a good draft pick this year, they are, they are in, they're in a really good spot. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I, I like Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton is having a very good year and I am, I'm in on Colin Sexton as being a legitimate starter, potential all-star. Um, he's been a better passer this year. That was always the concern. I'm not sure how I feel about Garland yet. I don't feel like he has an elite skill, um, but I think you're right. They nail a good draft pick. They have a good amount of young guys, and they're in. I mean, they're in a they're in a legitimate rebuild, which is yeah. what you which is which is what you're aiming for. Well, and the silver lining to being this bad is it forces you to acknowledge that because I think the worst thing that can happen is you you get off to a hot start and you convince yourself that you're better than you are. And all of a sudden your season is just completely aimless because at some point it's going to come around. And I guess in some ways, fortunately for Cleveland, it came around sooner than later. You know, you can, you still have decisions to make with Drummond, you know, you still have the deadline, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think 
they're much much like Minnesota in the West. I, I think Cleveland and Detroit, those are the three teams, and I think Houston is moving there very quickly. Like those those four teams seem to be more than okay with just kind of casually tanking it the rest of the way. I'm still really confused on what the Rockets are going to do with Oladipo. Yeah. I don't, they, they were so good, right? Didn't they win like five or six in a row? Like when he first got there and was healthy. And then now that he's hurt, I, I think that's really complicated things. It has. Yeah. They've been bad since he's been out. I mean, what do you, I mean, we can't really expect much from a Rockets team that has Eric Gordon as like the second scoring option. Um, and it's just, uh, they're in a, they're in a bad way. I don't know. I feel like they might try to flip him again. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, unless uh, he's a free agent to be, so unless you're going to sign right. him, um, I, I think he could end up being, you know, assuming he's healthy in the next month, could end up being a, a really valuable piece at the deadline. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, there'll be more all-star talk to come. Uh, I'll be back with James later this week. I'm sure we'll hit on all the reserve stuff. Uh, hopefully we'll get an answer on, on who will replace Anthony Davis. Uh, and then you, of course, will be back with Ken and Shannon on Friday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.